You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, fun first two hours here. We'll try to provide an encore. Dirk Nowitzki will join us coming up a little bit. I'm watching the Coach K ceremony against North Carolina's final home game at Cameron Indoor. <laughs> There's Dirk Nowitzki, and I'm going, Dirk didn't play at Duke. Imagine if he did, but Dirk was there and uh, wanted to experience that, the college campus, and saying goodbye to Coach K. Yes, Todd? A little too much Ken Jong for my taste. Nothing against Ken Jong, but every time they went to the crowd, they showed uh, Adam Silver and Jerry Seinfeld several times, which is, you know, those are heavy hitters, but a lot of Ken Jong reaction. I was trying to figure out what that was all about. The mass, he went to Duke, but whatever. The Masked Singer, isn't he a judge on The Masked Singer? Yeah, and he's been in some movies and stuff, but, like, I, I didn't know what the... The deal He's been on that. our show a couple of times. Yeah, very nice man. He used to be a doctor and gave up his medical stuff to do acting and things. But you had a problem with him. I had a problem with that. Like, they just kept going to him like he was, I don't know, like he was some, some giant superstar. And they want, the network wanted to make sure we knew that Ken Jong was in the building. Well, he went weird. to Duke. Good for him. A lot of people went to Duke. I just, I understand why he was there and he was wearing a Duke Wait, sweatshirt. Well, they, they were getting these reaction shots. It's now 1912 North Carolina. Why does concern? Why does this bother you? I don't know. I just found it very weird. They, they kept showing like they were the only celebrities there. They showed Adam Silver, Jerry Seinfeld, Ken Jong. This Adam is, Silver, Jerry Seinfeld, Ken Jong. There's, there's, okay. uh, this five days later. It's just really weird. You just, I, your team just got Russell Wilson. I'm very happy about that. No, you're not. But lots of Ken Jong reaction. Oh, no, wait, he's getting excited. Duke cut it to two. Yes. Oh, no, he's upset. It's seven, back to seven. Yes, Paul. Ken Jong was whipping up the crowd. He was having fun with them. He was performing, kind of like getting the crowd going. David, uh, uh, what do you call it? Adam Silver and David uh, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld were sitting motionless. They weren't even speaking to each other. There wasn't much entertainment when you cut to them. Ken Jung was like whipping the crowd into a frenzy. Final hour here. Dirk Nowitzki will join us coming up. <laughs> Fritzy's got mock headlines that Russell Wilson is now a Denver Bronco. And I was not going to let you do them because you could not name one single quarterback after Peyton Manning. You I froze up. I froze. You truly. Worst freezing I've you, ever experienced. Yeah. You could not name anybody. And uh, But I, I know you put in the time, and you've sent me the mock headlines a couple of times now. How did I not come up with like Flacco and Keenum, Simeon, at least those three, at least? And you said I only had to name three, which put me even more pressure on me because I was like, oh, I have to be able to come up with three of the okay. 11. Okay, mock headlines. All right, here we go. Come on. Will Russ Cook in Colorado. Can number three help Broncos get number four? Because they have super, three Super Bowl titles. Rocky Mountain Russ. Mile high expectations. Long L way to go, but Bronx should be much better. AFC best. Russ joins Mahomes, Herbert Carr in tough division. What the hell is going on here? Good. These are terrible. Denver has Orange Crush on new QB. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's not original. Next manning up. They finally have oh a quarterback. Oh, God. Where there's a Wilson, there's a way. No, 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 no. Damn three-piece. <laughs> P-E-A-C-E. Russ brings stability under center. With the number three, because he was so forced. Damn three piece. Thank you, Todd. All right, yeah. another fail. Which was worse, that or not being able to name all the Broncos? It's close, but, but you're a Bronco. You got Bronco pajamas. I on got Bronco today. socks on that you guys didn't even see, and I'm wearing orange and blue sneakers, even though they're not Broncos. Eight seven seven three DP show. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dp show. So Aaron Rodgers stays. Russell Wilson goes. And uh, if you're just joining us, I gave a little bit of the backstory because. I, I was told that they the Seahawks were quietly, quietly shopping Russell Wilson. And so I reached out to some people and I said, is this true? And I didn't get a definitive answer. That's why the last couple of months I'd said, 
look, I, th- I think he's going to be gone from Seattle. Uh, it feels like you you got to keep either Pete or you're going to keep Russ. And then, I, you know, the reason why I was told that they were privately, quietly shopping him was because it was somebody who knew about what was going on in Carolina. David Tepper, their billionaire owner, desperately wants to get a quarterback down there and was going to, you know, apparently they were in talks or they were trying to have talks with Seattle. And then... Uh, It came down to Denver was all in on Aaron Rodgers. If he was not staying, they were all in, prepared for a deal. And then that didn't happen. And then a little more than an hour later, Denver and Seattle complete a trade. Well, you don't complete a trade like that unless you've had discussions for quite some time. And that was the case. You know, did I believe Pete Carroll when he said, no, you know, we haven't had any talks with anybody to trade Russ? No, but it was a must-lie situation because – they were shopping him. What can we get for him? And where will he go? Because he could veto the trade. And Russ quickly said, yep, I'm good. I'm out of here. And Seattle got a haul here. Uh, you're trading a Hall of Fame quarterback. Now, maybe he's not one of the elite quarterbacks now. Maybe he's not a top five quarterback. But he does give you a chance to win every single game. And you haven't been able to uh, have a quarterback who gave you that hope. You're in a tough division. Other great quarterbacks there? Absolutely. Is it the ideal place for Russ to go? Probably not. Not to change the legacy and win a championship. Because I still look at Aaron Rodgers has a far greater chance of getting to Super Bowls than Russell Wilson does. Because the NFC has a couple of, uh, you know, Maybe landmines. Certainly the Rams are going to be formidable. I don't know what to expect from Dallas. Who else comes to the forefront that maybe I'm missing out on? And you're going to have a couple of surprises. If Tom Brady ends up in San Francisco, okay. But, you know, can the Saints get a quarterback? Uh, it just feels like Aaron Rodgers staying, getting everything he wanted, made, made the most sense because that's a team that should be hosting the NFC title game at least the next two years. Uh, As far as what Seattle's strategy is, uh, you're not reloading. That's a rebuild. You got a lot of draft picks there. Uh, You get a couple of players who probably start for you. You lost Bobby Wagner. You lose Bobby Wagner. And that, that, I always looked at him and said he's the heartbeat of that football team, not Russell Wilson. It just felt like Bobby Wagner was their leader. Russ was their quarterback. Bobby Wagner was their leader. Now they lose him. Uh, Gonzaga, South Dakota State, Bryant, Bellarmine, and uh, Delaware and Wright State, they all win. Uh, Bellarmine is not going to the uh, big dance because they weren't uh, eligible to go. They just moved up from Division Two to Division One, But uh, they did win their tournament. But uh, <laughs> it's like, how weird is that to lose your tournament but celebrate because you get to go to the tournament? Like Jacksonville's running around like, yeah, we lost. Yeah, but we're going to the tournament because Bellarmine can't go. Yes, Tom. And when these teams win, if you notice, they go off to the side and they've got a specially made sign that has their logo and shows them like with a bracket kind of sheet behind them that they're officially in the dance. And to not have any of that, which looks like a tradition with these schools do that rarely get in, it's really disappointing. Thanks, Todd. Strongest field of the PGA Tour, and it's one of the great golf courses in the world, TPC Sawgrass who will have this year's defining moment. The players, Saturday 1 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Go to PeacockTV.com, download the app, and you can watch the show. You can watch this show as well. Say good morning to our radio affiliates as well. The poll question so far, Seton O'Connor. 
Uh, we're going to wrap up this poll question. So here's the final results. We have uh, more likely to get their second ring first. Patrick Mahomes has half of the vote, okay. followed by Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford, who are tied at 20%. Russell Wilson, just 10% of the vote. Yeah. I would say Aaron over Patrick Mahomes just because the AFC has, it feels like Buffalo is the second best, uh, Kansas City and Buffalo, two best teams, according to Vegas, than you have the Rams in the NFC. Yes, he. I thought maybe we could change it up to who has more pressure Ooh. going into this season now, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Okay. I would say Aaron Rodgers because he got everything that he wanted. That's still a big deal for uh, for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I mean, Russ wanted out, but, but the, you know, the acrimony didn't spill out publicly. Whereas Aaron Rodgers, we knew everything that was going on, it felt like. But he's being brought in as a savior, though. As the guy who's turning it all around, all of a sudden, they're, you know, fifth in Super Bowl odds. They took a big jump up by getting him. Feels like that's, gonna, that's just adding a ton of pressure to Russell Wilson. They're fifth in Super Bowl odds? Yeah, I was looking at the DraftKings Sportsbook earlier, and they jumped up to fifth. It's Kansas City, Buffalo, the Rams, Green Bay, Denver? Let me look. Does that sound about right? It's also possible I'm completely wrong. <laughs> we'll get some of our best people. I know for a fact their Super Bowl odds went through the roof, though, compared to where they were. <laughs> well, they were probably pretty low. That's why they went through the roof. Did they go through, like, the first floor? Did they go through the second floor? Did they go through the actual roof? Yes, Pauline. The Packers went from 16-1 to 1 to 10-1, to 11-1. to 1. All right. Well, what about Denver? Checking. I want to make sure I get it right. <laughs> I, have, I actually want to get it right. I have DraftKings right here, okay? Right. Okay. They have Super Bowl odds. All right. Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Rams, Broncos. In that order. Yeah, I'm not going to... Jump in on the Broncos odds right now. That's followed by the 49ers, Cowboys, Ravens, Bengals. Okay. Yeah, Paul. Denver's Super Bowl odds were 18 to 1 24 hours ago, right? Mm-hmm. Before Aaron Rodgers decided to stay. After Aaron Rodgers decided to stay, they went to 25 to 1. They got worse. And I'm seeing if it got better. They got to get the next step in here. But it, when Aaron Rodgers decided not to go to Denver, they, their odds got worse. Uh, Fritzy gave us his mock headlines, or at least what he thought were reasonable facsimiles. Ryan in Honolulu has some mock headlines, and he joins us now. Hi, Ryan. Hello! Oh, Dan, why do I always feel like I'm following Fritzy at Caroline's? Oh, God. That's a good thing. All right. <laughs> well, when it comes to Russell Wilson mock headlines, I just put Aspen to paper and let it flow like the Colorado River. Aspen to paper. Aspen. Yeah, y'all got it. Yeah. yeah. That's in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado River. <laughs> We're also lo- Broncos. Okay, though. all right, Ryan, come on. All you need is one good mock headline to top Fritzy. End of a Sierra. Russell taking his wife's talent <laughs> to Colorado. Okay, it's Sierra, his wife. End of a Sierra. Okay. Auto- automatic winner. Let's keep going. Denver, Russell's up a trade. Wilson says, Seattle, you later. Mm, okay. Okay. Broncos finally have a quarterback that Fritzy can remember. <laughs> okay. Aloha. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Fritzy froze up. Froze up when I said, could you name the any of any three quarterbacks after Peyton Manning? No excuses for that. That was terrible. End of a Sierra. I thought that was very good. Yeah, it was. 
Yes, yes. Isn't it weird, though, when your mind goes blank like that for no reason? Like, I remember one time somebody asked me, like, so what have you been listening to lately? Just like the most simple question ever. I could name a gajillion bands. I blanked. I couldn't tell you the name of one single song I had heard in the last 20 years in that moment. Like, why does your mind just, like, empty like that sometimes? Hmm. I know. I've never frozen up the way Todd did. Like, Todd was like... And I said, no, Todd, just give me three Broncos. I was struggling to remember Paxton Lynch, number 12. And then because of that, it sent me into this tailspin of not being able to remember any Yes, Paulie. When we did Sports Jeopardy years ago, I got a double uh, double Jeopardy, or whatever it was, you know, the, um, where you get to make Daily your own. Daily double? Daily double. And you get to make your own bet. And the hint was, it's where Cal Ripkins played his whole career in Baltimore. It's Camden Yards. And it was probably the easiest one of the whole day. And I just froze. It was like there was a door and the answer was on the other side. I couldn't get the door open. And you looked at me, you're like, dude. I know. Like, what's <laughs> you, wrong I with think you? you said dude on Sports yeah. uh, We gave our uh, happy songs. Yesterday it was sad songs. Uh, today it was uh, the, the song that makes you happy. Uh, Wayne in Nebraska joining us. Hi, Wayne. Hey, Mr. Patrick. I just want to thank you guys for we're coming up on two years since the lockdown, and you guys really uh, kept my spirits and a lot of people's up. Okay, so a happy song. It's a toss-up. I got to go with Mr. Blue Sky from ELO or California Love by Tupac and Dr. Dre. Okay, all right. I don't think there's any wrong answers here unless you picked a Bon Jovi song or Shiny Happy People from R.E.M. It's one Did- of the great anthems. Dan, 100 million people can't be wrong. Yeah, I know. Barry in Long Island. Hey, Barry. Good morning, fellas. Good morning, chat row. Uh, Dan, I must respectfully uh, disagree with you on uh, Bang the Drum all day. Uh, When I was doing afternoons, every Friday afternoon, I had to play that SOB at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 6 o'clock. So, uh, yeah, I, I can pass on that one. The happiest song ever is Elton John's Crocodile Rock. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. La, 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 da, 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 da. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Elton John, yeah, he's got some happy songs. Got some sad songs, too. Uh, more phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at show. Dirk Nowitzki will join us coming up next here on the Dan Patrick Show. Put a smile on my face every time I talk about Butcher Box because you unpack it. Everybody gathers around. It's like, what did they send this week? Eight to 14 pounds of meat, depending on the box you choose. That's enough for 24 individual meals. Pack fresh, ship frozen for convenience. You can save time on your next grocery store trip. Customize your box or go with what they want to send you. Either way, you get exactly what you want. And you'll love it. But ButcherBox is a subscription service. And it takes the guesswork out of finding high-quality meat. And, uh, you know, they source their meat from partners, the highest standards for quality. No more searching the grocery store for 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, wild-caught seafood, and more. So the sourcing decisions are made holistically, keeping the farmer, the planet, the animal, and your family in mind. Your chance to never shop for ground beef again as well. I love this deal. ButcherBox giving new members free ground beef for life. ButcherBox.com slash Patrick. Get two pounds of ground beef free in every order for the life of your membership. ButcherBox.com slash Patrick. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. More phone calls coming up. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Finally, another great shooter joining us on the program. Dirk Nowitzki, a member of the uh, NBA 75th anniversary team, joining us on the program. When's the last time you uh, went out and shot, Dirk? Hey, Dan. How's it going? Um, it's been a minute. Uh, you know, I've been, been staying busy with other things and, uh, you know, I've been playing uh, more and more tennis in, in my retirement, so I haven't played that, that much hoops at all. How did you end up at Duke for the Coach K farewell tour? Great question. I have, uh, we have a few friends here that, uh, that all went to Duke and they're big supporters and they always said, hey, you got to go uh, to Duke one time. You got to go to Cameron Indoor and check out the atmosphere. And so it's always kind of like a bucket list thing for me. And, and when they basically invited me for, for this Coach K last game, I said, that's a no brainer. You know, it's a bucket list. I want to go anyways. And now to get, uh, get to see, uh, Coach K's last game. So it was a no-brainer, and uh, it was an unbelievable atmosphere. I mean, an atmosphere that I usually only see in Europe where guys jumping all game long and throwing stuff, and um, that was amazing. But just, uh, you know, UNC stealing the game at the end was a little bit of a buzzkill, but I still had uh, had a great time. Did you get scholarship offers in Germany? I had, I had a few offers back in the days. Uh, I actually visited some colleges. I visited uh, Kentucky at the time. I visited uh, Cal and Stanford. Not sure I would have gotten into Stanford with uh, <laughs> with what uh, I performed in high school. Uh, I think they would have got you in. They somehow Kentucky would have got you in. That's for sure. Uh, I would. I would probably <laughs> think I would have gotten into Kentucky. So those those are the three I looked at, and uh, I decided then to go straight in the NBA. And obviously, that was uh, that was the right decision for me at the time. Who was the first pro you ever faced? First American pro. Um, what do you mean? My first NBA game, or no? When when you came over, when like international games, or when you first got drafted, like the first NBA player you you faced, was it in your first NBA game? No, actually, we had uh, the Nike did a, a promo tour through through Germany and, and Europe back in the days. It was called the Hoop Heroes, and they had a team that was stacked. It was I remember Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley was on it, uh, Jay Kidd, Gary Payton. Uh, Vin Baker, tons, tons more, and they played two or three games throughout Europe. And so I got to play the, against them at the time. I was just in the Army. I'd finished high school, and I went to the Army for 10 months. So I played, uh, played against them twice in Berlin and, and Dortmund, I believe, and that was really my first time seeing, like, uh, the real stars, and it was a fun up-and-down game, and I had a blast. And that's when, after the game, famously, uh, Charles offered me a scholarship to, to Auburn. I said, I'm going to get you into Auburn, uh, even though Auburn hadn't recruited me at the time, but he said he could make it happen. So that was, that was sweet. What was your role in the Army? So I did, uh, back in the days, it was mandatory uh, in, in Germany. So I did uh, two months basic training, and then uh, I kind of got into a, like a sports company, which uh, then allowed me to stay home. And really start training with Holger at the time, really start training professionally, uh, started training twice or three times a day. 
and uh, and so that's uh, that was that was when I, the the rest of the eight months. And then basically, once I got out of the army, I came uh, I came over. Uh, I was drafted, and I came over to the Mavs. Do you ever wish you had gone to college at least for one year in the states? You know what? Uh, people have asked me when I was sitting there and it's, uh, soaking up the, the Duke atmosphere at Cameron Indoors. I mean, uh, one year I think would have been fun, but as you know, my, my style was a little different. I think if I would have gotten to college, I think they would have put me in the weight room first and put me on the block. And I don't, you know, it's, <laughs> it was still old school then. It was, the game was different. I was really skinny. And my worry was that they would change my game a little bit and put a little bit more weight on me and put the bat back to the basket. And so uh, going to, to the NBA and going to Don Nelson, of course, who was a, a mismatch master at the time, and he thought the game a lot different. So that worked out perfectly for me, I got to say. You know, he supported me. He let me shoot threes. He let me play my game. And so uh, I, I owe Don a lot. If even if I would have gone to the NBA and come to a different situation, things would have might have uh, changed uh, changed my outcome. But you look at this and you did change the game. You know, Michael Jordan. We can say changed the modern game. You could say that Steph Curry has changed the game. But for big men to go outside, you guys were always yelled at to go inside, get on the block, seven footer shooting and shooting as well as you did. You changed the game. Did you realize uh, at the time that you, you're, you're changing the game or the perception well, of big I, men? I appreciate that. Um, you know, there was a few big men, obviously, that could shoot before me, whether it was Schrempf, who was a German legend, or whether it was Kukoc, and some guys that uh, spread the floor. Uh, I think I came in at a time when, when, the, when the league was changing, you know, where the league was putting in the zone defense. Uh, it was getting rid of some of the hand-checking from the 90s, so... Uh, so I think that the game was changing in more of a free-flowing passing game, uh, pick-and-roll game, away from, you know, somebody dribbling 10 seconds on the ISO on the wings. I think the game changed, and I was, I was fortunate that I was, I was there at the time when the game was changing, and I was, uh, you know, now it's, it's fun to watch these big guys come in, all skilled, all can bring up the ball, can initiate the offense, can shoot, can post, and, uh, I mean, the versatility from the bigs these days is just fun to watch. Well, I wonder the impact that maybe Larry Bird had on you. Here's a six nine guy who was a great shooter winning the three-point shooting contest. I don't know who, who impacted you growing up where you thought, hey, I, it's okay for me to go outside or I can perfect this. So I'm, I was a huge NBA fan starting in the 90s. I just missed Larry. Um, so I was more of a Chicago Bulls fan in the 90s there, of course. Then I got to know Larry and did research on the league and, and saw, obviously, he's one of the best ever. Uh, but in the 90s there, when, when I grew up, um, that was, that was just, just before my time. So I was a big Bulls fan. You know, back in the day in Germany, they only would show one or two games a week, and it was only, always usually the best team. So... I was a diehard Bulls fan, you know, with, with Kukoc and, uh, and and later on. And so, yeah, I saw my game more like that, more facing the basket. I didn't have a big frame. I was super skinny. I weighed maybe 220 pounds max. And um, so, I was, uh, yeah, it was, it was easier for me to, to move and, and face the basket always than, uh, than with the back to the basket. What was it like the first time you met Michael Jordan? So, you know, MJ retired with the shot game six in Utah. I was drafted that summer. 
then we had the lockout and I'm thinking I'm about to play against my hero, against my uh, idol. And uh, then he retired and I'm like, oh no, I've just missed my hero by a few months. Um, so he didn't come back for the lockout year in, in 99 and 98, 99. So I didn't get a chance to play against him. And then he came back with the Wizards a few years later. And of course, he was uh, he was a little up there in age, but it was still amazing. I mean, I was in awe. He guarded me a couple possessions on the post, and I tried to post him up, and I was so excited. <laughs> I remember just shooting a brutal fadeaway. I don't think I even made it, but I was just so, so hyped to play against MJ and be on the same court as, as my idol. But, you know, the first, my first, you really arrived in the NBA moment was, I think, my third or fourth NBA game in the lockout year was against Houston. The Rockets, and then at the time in 98-99, they had Pippen, who I loved from the Bulls. They had Charles Barkley, who I loved. And they had Hakeem Olajuwon, who I watched in the 90s winning back-to-back championships. I'm like, I'm running around on this court thinking, what is happening here? This is super surreal. So that was that was my definitely, I have arrived in the NBA moment. Did you ever ask for a jersey from these guys? I did not. I didn't want to be that guy. You know, I was, first of all, I was way too shy. Uh, I wouldn't have even known how to address them or talk to them. So I kind of like did my thing. And then I went in the locker room. I, I didn't, uh, didn't really have the guts to do it. How much trash did they talk to you? I mean, not, not, not that trio, but there was obviously when I first got in the league, I was skinny. I was from Europe. I was shooting jumpers. So, you know, everybody was kind of like, Hey, he's, he's soft. Let's see what he's made of. And I remember I was, I was guarding somebody beside, uh, right in front of the opposing bench and all I could hear from the bench, go at him. He is soft. <laughs> like flow by him. And so, so, I mean, I heard all these things, of course, I hear all these things and, yeah, I thought it, it motivated me to, to, to push through and, and get a little stronger and, and work on my game. And, uh, you know, as you How know, did Kevin Garnett did. treat you? Uh, he tried to be pretty intimidating uh, always, uh, especially at the beginning of my career when we were getting better with Dallas. Um, and we were we were pushing into the playoffs there. My first two years, we missed the playoffs. My third year, we finally met the playoffs. And then, you know, he tried to intimidate me, and, you know, sometimes there'd be a timeout. I'd walk out of the timeout. He had already left his timeout early <laughs> to stand there and walk with me, face, nose to nose almost. And and uh, that that was KG. I loved his, his passion, his intensity, and he was a little crazy. So we had some great battles over the year, obviously. You know, the, 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 the fiercest competitor also bring out the best in, in you and you try to, you know, hold your own. And so we've had some great battles over our careers. You know, Kobe closes out his career with 60. Like, that doesn't happen, Dirk. Like, how do you explain no, that night that Kobe just goes for 60 and says, see ya? Uh, unbelievable. I mean, to me... You know, I played against, you know, Shaq and Timmy D and, and all the, the, the great players. To me, Kobe was, was the greatest in his prime that I, that I faced. And I, and I always always tell the story when, when we played in L.A., I think it was 06 or 07, he, he scored 63 to three quarters and we as a team scored 62 and he outscored <laughs> us by himself. And I mean, there was nothing we could do that night. He shot floaters. He, he was on the break one on four. He was laying us. He was 
fade away. There was one time we got stuck in the corner and the, and the, and the, the shot clock was going down. So he just turned over and shot a three out of the corner with the left <laughs> bottoms. And like, there was nothing that night because he, his, his, his killer mentality is athleticism and his skill level was just elite. Everything, the whole package was elite. So there was just nothing we could do with him. So to come back to his final game, it didn't surprise me. I've, I've watched this man more than probably anybody else uh, while I was in, my, in the NBA. I always try to catch his fourth quarter somewhere in L.A., you know, before I go to bed, I'm like, oh, Kobe's playing the home game in in, in Staples. I got I got to tune in. Something is about to happen. So, I never made it a big secret. I was I was a big admirer and a big fan from afar, and uh, had a huge amount of respect. So, that to to score 60 in the uh, in this final game, I don't think anybody was surprised. And then he scores 81. I, is somebody going to score 100 in a game? I mean, it's it's going to be tough. I mean, if if somebody's going to do it, it's going to be in the nowadays game. You know, not in in the '90s. It was pretty much impossible with the, with the physical style. But now the scoring is up, uh, and the court is way more open. And so, I mean, if somebody can do it, it'll be now. But I mean, it's uh, I don't see it. Uh, but you know, you never say never. You know. The records are always there to, to be broken, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's actually funny when Kobe had 63 on us, he didn't play the whole fourth quarter because they were up 20, 25. Then a couple of weeks later against Toronto, he had to play the whole game and he got 81. I, I for sure think if he would have played on us the whole game, he would have easily scored 80, 85. I mean, that's how he was, he was going nuts. And so that's, that's the type of role he was on in that, in that couple weeks stretch and it was it was unbelievable but can you you're born obviously with certain traits characteristics certain players have michael jordan had that i'm going to kill you kobe had that i'm going to kill you can can you acquire that like if you look at that and go i need to have more of that in my game can can you put killer instinct assassin into your game uh, that is that is a tough question. I think you can work on certain stuff. Um, you can work on, for sure, the mental aspect of the game. Uh, I'm not sure all of a sudden you can turn into MJ or Kobe, but I do think the the mental part is is huge. It's huge now. Uh, I think uh, we learned so much about um, about your mental um, approach to the game the last 20, 30 years. You know, we we didn't know much back in the days. We didn't know much about nutrition. When I first got in the 90s, we were eating burgers pregame. We were, you know, we were doing all sorts of stuff and nobody really trained their mind and their brain. And now now the last 20 years, I think we know so much more. And all these athletes now are like vegan and have mental trainers and coaches. And so I think that's that's definitely an era, uh, an area where, where you can work on and improve. But I'm not sure you can turn into, into Michael Jordan. I think that's that's something he was just born with. But I don't know if, you know, when the Miami Heat and Wade and LeBron sort of mocked you for coughing, if you in your mind, like, do you turn something on and use that against them in the NBA Finals? Uh, not really, you know, at the time when I saw the video, we were up three, two, and we're going to Miami. And so we're, we're literally one game away from my dream, uh, that I've been chasing for over the league, I think 11 years already. And I always felt short. So, um, you know, if anything, uh, I, I told the team, I said, let's stick together and let's, uh, let's, let's close this out. And then 
the funny thing in game six, then maybe I was pressing even too hard. I think, I don't know if you remember, but at halftime of game six, it was one for 12, uh, probably one of the worst uh, performances of anybody in a half in a finals game. And uh, it took me a little bit. I, I don't know if I was too hyped. I wanted to force things. Uh, maybe the whole mocking thing, you know, I try to force it even more and, and things were just not happening. But uh, second half, I was I was able to slow down a little bit, let the game come to me a little more. And uh, we ended up winning in game six. Uh, so that was uh, that was probably one of the worst halves ever played by somebody in the finals. Do you hold any grudges? With not any, at all. With anybody? Uh, no, not at all. I think, you know... I think it's normal when you're in the league and you're competing at the highest level every night to, to not be friendly with everybody. You know, I think there were some guys that got along a little better. There were some guys that we didn't really talk much, uh, but I think that's part of being a competitor. Uh, but also, you know, once my career is over now, you know, uh, made peace with everybody. And I, I don't have any hard feelings. I, I doubt there's a lot of guys that have hard feelings towards me. Uh, so it's just, I try to compete I try to win. And then, you know, you know, now it's over. It's, uh, we all had a good time. You want to coach, be a GM? You know, I'm not really sure what the future brings. Honestly, I've been enjoying, um, traveling my children. We have three young kids and I'm enjoying being home and traveling with them a lot. And, um, uh, I do some advising for the maps at the moment um, and to do other things, uh, learn about business side. And, uh, you know, we still have, I have two foundations, one in Germany and one here in, in the U.S. So I stay busy, uh, but, you know, we'll see what the future brings. I'm not a coach. I, I would say that's, uh, that's not my mentality to stand there and motivate guys and hold big speeches. That was never my thing, even while I played. Uh, I was more the guy that led by example. I never wanted to stand in front of the team and, and talk. So I don't think that's in my, my DNA, but, you know, maybe some front office stuff in, in the future, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think it's, uh, it's still a little too early for me. I'm enjoying my time with the family for now. If I said describe Luka Doncic to people who have never seen him play, how would you describe him? I mean, honestly, he's a, he's a complete package. He's a big guard. Uh, he's he's got everything in his game and offensively that you would hope for. I mean, he's he can break you down off the dribble. He's not the fastest guy. He's a big guy, six nine, big guy, but uh, you know can can has has the skills. Uh, as the, the strength uh, can go by anybody once he has you on his butt on his shoulder he's so strong he just can move anybody and he's got the uh, the big shot mentality he's got the confidence to take uh, over in big moments so he can post uh, he worked on his floater the last couple of years so now he's got the in-between game um, I mean honestly uh, he is uh, as full of a package as a 23 year old as I've seen because uh, usually you know so how he reads the game, how he reads the pick and roll situation, how he passed the ball. Usually, I think you develop that more as you get more experience. This kid came in at 20, 19, 20 years old, and, and the way he saw the game was, uh, was was something I've never seen in my career. So we're uh, we're so happy he's uh, he's playing for the Mavs, of course. Were you ever called for an offensive foul when you would do your little step back and put your knee into somebody's groin? Not, not, not when I shot it, but sometimes I got it when I try to create space and somebody was really on me and I really try to put my shoulder down and create 
that little bit of you know separation that I needed. I think, um, especially later in my career, when guys knew that was coming, I didn't really, I couldn't really drive. Uh, and I did, so they were really up on my shoulder. And then when I did try to lower it a little bit, I think that's when I got some offensive foul. But once I got the little separation and I was leaning back, I don't think I ever got uh, got that call as an offensive foul. Yeah, but you were you were using your leg as a weapon, Dirk. I mean, a little bit, but like I said, <laughs> you first you first create the separation <laughs> with with backing somebody down, and then once you take a step back, you know, it's not like I. I bumped and then immediately shot. I did step back from from a little from one foot to the other, from the right leg to the left, and that is already creating enough separation to raise the the knee up. So I never really need anybody uh, in the groin or in other areas during that shot. That didn't that never really happened. <laughs> Has Mark Cuban ever been the best shooter on the team? Uh, never. Uh, he, I think in his, his, his mind, he believes he was, uh, but honestly, he's, uh, he played a little bit, obviously, uh, as a hobby and he's got a little stroke, but it's, it's a super, super slow, slow release. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was, it's just a super fan. When we first, when he bought the team, we used to play one-on-one and shooting games after practice all the time. And. That's the kind of relationship we had, and so he's uh, he's been sort of a mentor and, uh, and and obviously a good friend of mine for for a long, long time. So I do I do owe him a lot. Uh, thanks for opening up the scrapbook. We appreciate you uh, telling stories there, Dirk. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you guys for having me. Take care. That's uh, Dirk Nowitzki. He uh, won a championship. He's a former MVP, Finals MVP as well with the Mavs. We'll take a break. Last call for phone calls. That was a lot of fun. Back after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. Let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. So make your next move your best move. And tap in with me on KJ Live wherever get your podcast from last call for phone calls what we learn what's in store tomorrow in case you're wondering as i did when you see these quarterbacks making 45 50 million dollars so the last 20 years the top base salary of super bowl winning quarterbacks matthew stafford uh in 2021 uh Peyton Manning, and Tom Brady. These are the top base salaries. Now, it's, it's, it's deceptive with Matthew Stafford. It was $12.5 million. Peyton Manning, $15 million. Tom Brady, $15 million. Uh, there's ways around that for salary cap purposes, bonuses. But, you know, Brady's salary for 2016 was $764,000, but he had a $14 million signing bonus. You know, when you have these quarterbacks making this money, 
it's really, you know, you're you're decreasing the odds significantly in winning a Super Bowl. Uh, Mike in Arizona. Hey, Mike, what do you have for me today? Hey, DP, what up? Um, yeah, I got actually two songs. One, real quick, uh, tonight's going to be a good night, Black Eyed Peas. That always makes me uh, a little, uh, puts a smile on my face. And if you've ever been to Camp Randall, uh, between the third and fourth quarter, jump around. Uh, there's another uh, one that just, you can't be in a bad mood listening to that song. But, um, yeah, I called a couple weeks ago with my inside information, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, and the breakup with, uh, with uh, Shailene Woodley, and he had decided to let her know that he was going to stay in Green Bay. And that proved to be correct. That inside information, you know, came from my Aunt Ruth, who worked at the Piggly Wiggly uh, in Green Bay, where Brian Gutekus' wife, Jen, does some of her grocery shopping. And, uh, and, and and I've got I, I can't break it now, but I think the fact she's also told me that they're getting getting close to trying to do a three to four year contract concurrent with uh, with uh, Devontae Adams concurrent with um, uh, until twenty twenty five. Well, I could I could see that happening. And thank you, Mike, for the next update from the Piggly Wiggly. But uh, inside sources, we don't have to always say where our sources are coming from, but we have sources here on this program. Corey in Florida. Hi, Corey. What's on your mind today? Hey, DP. I had a happy song. It's 500 miles from the Proclaimers. 500 miles from? The Proclaimers. Oh, the Proclaimers. Okay. Yes. I will walk 500 miles and I will. Is that what it is, I think? Be the man who walked in. <laughs> I would put that up there, up there under annoying. Why, why is it always a thousand miles that people are walking? Vanessa Carlton would walk a thousand miles. This dude's going to walk a thousand miles. Uh, Dwight Yoakam, thousand miles from nowhere. Great call. Great yes, song. Tony in Cincinnati. Hi, Tone. What's on your mind? Hey, I'm 196 Dad Bob. Hey, uh, my great song, always puts in a good mood, man. Little Joe Cocker, feeling all right. All right. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Joe Cocker. Uh, let's see. What did we learn on the program? Final results of the poll question, Seton. Who is under the most pressure this season? Aaron Rodgers, 77% of the vote. Apparently, Russell Wilson, not much pressure on him. Okay. Todd? Dirk Nowitzki, who was a diehard Bulls fan growing up and idolized MJ, did a mandatory two months of basic training in the Army in Germany, then got drafted by the Mavs, came to the U.S. Seton O'Connor. Dirk almost went to Stanford. How about that? Yeah. Well, not really. Didn't know if he could get in. Marvin? Barkley wanted Dirk to go to Auburn. Paulie? Paxton Lynch, former Broncos quarterback. What we learned brought to you by M Drive Start, the convenient protein powder for driven men that gives you the energy and nutrition you need. Keep up with your busy day. You can find M Drive at MDriveDan.com. Don't let age beat you. Visit MDriveDan.com. Thanks for joining us. Our pleasure to serve you. Thanks for the phone calls, emails, tweets. Talk to you tomorrow.